Welcome to the weekly sermon from Generations Church. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Scott Hale. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to celebrate with us tonight. Uh, Christmas Eve is is always just so, it's so special, it's so magical and, and beautiful. It just has such a, a mysterious, magical vibe to me. It always does. But really, you know, when you think about it, this is a birthday party, isn't it? Right? We're celebrating a birthday, the, celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Um, tonight, of course, Jesus is the reason for the season. We're going to talk about him. But I want to approach the story from a little bit of a, a slightly different perspective. I want to look at the story through the eyes of someone whose life was utterly changed by the birth of Christ, but not just starting on that night, but even going back a few months before he was born. And that is his mother, the young Mary. And so to really experience what that moment is like, I want to come at it kind of from a Mary angle. This is the woman who was right there to make it all happen. The woman who, who birthed him into the world and who held on to him with that fierce and protective love of a mother. And so before we jump into this, I want you to listen to these words sung by the great Ivy Bell. <laughs> Thank you. 
so beautiful it captures that uh those questions that mary surely had right i mean this amazing thing that was happening to her and i can't help but think that it it it, it captures beautifully that sense of aloneness that mary must have felt you know saying yes to god's plan it wasn't just all you know happy-go-lucky because saying yes to god's plan would mean becoming pregnant, out of wedlock, in a culture where that carries a huge social stigma that would follow her for the rest of her life. And she would have to look to God for her strength all of her days. And yet when the angel Gabriel comes and tells her what's been chosen for her, Mary submits to it. She gives her consent. The Gospel of Luke tells us that she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Those are bold words for a young teenage girl. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. The Greek translation of that is bring it on. Amen. I love, I love this girl, this unwed virgin teenager says, let it be. 
even according to your will, for I am your servant. You know, this may have been the, the first independent choice that she's ever made. Young Jewish girls in the first century didn't have a whole lot of options. They didn't get to make a whole lot of independent choices. Most of their choices uh, were made for them, including even who, who they would marry. Those choices were made for them. But here, Mary is faced with a choice. And she says, let it be unto me. She gives her consent. And whatever her fears may have been, her attitude then and throughout this seems to be that there is a will, the will of God here. There is a will for this child that is greater than any fear of what may happen or what people may say or what people may do to me. And I choose that will. I love this. I love this about this girl. And then this decision of hers to say yes turns out to be even more courageous. When we read that she is engaged but not yet married to a man named Joseph. A man named Joseph. A man the Bible calls a righteous man. And this guy Joseph, he knew the baby was not his, right? And so surely he felt, as just a normal person, he felt uh, probably betrayed, learning that the love of his life was pregnant. And it would have been completely within his rights in that culture of the day to accuse her publicly for this. And if he had done so, the result likely would have been her stoning. That was kind of the punishment for pregnancy out of wedlock in those days, for women at least. Or at the very least, the, the cruelest form of public shaming uh, and being exiled from her community. And so Mary had no way of knowing how Joseph would respond. She, she knew enough to say yes, but she didn't know what was going to come next. She didn't know. And I wonder when Mary, Mary, when you said yes, did you count the cost? Was it even possible? When you said yes, did you know what you would do if, if Joseph didn't believe you? Did you know what you would do when your family and your friends disowned you as they, you know, would be expected to? Mary, when you said yes, did you have any idea how you would make ends meet if Joseph walked away? How were you going to raise this child as a, as a single mother when employment options in the first century are very, very limited? Mary, when you said yes, did you know how you would handle the intense loneliness of a rejected, judged life? Did you have any idea how you would handle the accusing stares of judging friends, former friends, now become enemies? Did you know how you would handle the utter solitude that you may be forced to live with? Mary, when you said yes, did you know how you would handle the loss of all your hopes, all your dreams, all your aspirations, even just your expectations to live anything close to a simple, normal life? Did you know? Mary, could you have known? The fact is that there's no way for Mary to know a whole lot of things. She couldn't have known things any more than any of us know what's in store in the future. There's a lot of unanswered questions about whatever waits your next step and what's going to happen after that step. But she did know that saying yes would cost her a great deal. And yet, despite the cost, despite undoubtedly the fears 
despite all the unanswered questions, Mary's attitude was God's will is greater than any fear of what following him may cost me. So bring it on. Mary couldn't know what she was getting into, but she had to know that it was going to be messy. And nevertheless, she says, let your will be done, regardless of the cost. Later in the story, the good news is Joseph is assured by an angel in a dream. Thank goodness that Mary really is telling the truth. That, and so he, he has a choice too. At that point, he has a choice and he also chooses to say yes to God. To say yes to a life of the strange unknown. A yes to a life of inconvenience and damaged reputation for himself and even mortal danger for himself and his family. And so Mary and Joseph, we find they, they make this journey together down from their home in northern Israel down to Bethlehem because of a census the Roman Empire was requiring. And this would, was a difficult journey for anyone to take in that day, but especially for a poor pregnant girl living in first century Roman Empire. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 6. It says, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born while they were there in Bethlehem. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. I love this scene. I love the, you know, we see these pictures that, you know, like that little picture there. It's one of, it's a magical picture to us, one of serenity. But to them, that also was a, a reality of loneliness. And it's very inconspicuous, right? I mean, very few people on the whole planet even know what is happening at that moment. We, we hear there's a few mysterious magi from some foreign land who are paying attention to the stars, and they're going to arrive a, a few months later. And we learn that there's a, a few poor shepherds out in a field there in town that hear the news, and that's about it. That, that's it. No one else on the planet has any clue that this is happening. But that is the beauty of this story. And that's how God does things. He chooses the lowly. He chooses the humble. He chooses the inconspicuous. The, the, the sort of folks that if, if you're not looking for them, you, you just might miss them. And he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He chooses the weak things to confound the strong. And could there be a more humble setting for the divine invasion of the planet than some backwater corner of the Roman Empire, a smelly stable where the locals park their animals. That is where, that is the place where the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, chooses to be born. And guys, that is just like God. That's just like God. This is the God who humbled himself to become a vulnerable little baby. This is the God who, who doesn't march in with thunder and a lot of fanfare, and he doesn't march in and conquer his enemies with a sword. He's born among his enemies, grows into a humble man who loves the unlovable and heals their diseases and then lets them kill him. Also, he can triumph over their sin and their sickness and draw them into a relationship with himself. That's the kind of God we serve. Amen. That's the kind of God we serve. And I wonder, as, as Mary is holding him that first night 
Mary, did you know that that baby you just birthed in a stable, that that baby existed before the creation of the universe, that that baby Jesus was the word itself that sparked all of existence into being? Mary, did you know that the baby who rests in your arms is the God who holds the entire universe in the palm of his hands? Who holds every molecule of existence in, at every moment? Did you know, Mary, that the baby who sleeps so helplessly and so vulnerable in your arms is the one who would save us from destruction? Did you know that that baby you are holding, who can't even talk right now, will someday give speech to the speechless. That this baby who, can barely, who can't even crawl yet is going to heal the lame and walk on water. That he will show mercy to the guilty. That he will free the oppressed. That he'll give hope to the hopeless. That he'll grant life to the dead. And Mary, did you know that this precious gift that's been given to you before very long will gift himself again to be sacrificed for all of humanity? And Mary, did you know that this baby who just gave you significant pain in childbirth, we're sorry about that, <laughs> but before long would take upon himself all of the pain of the world? And did you know, Mary, that this baby whose, whose cries you listen to now will eventually wipe away every tear from every eye, from every person who weeps, and finally, Mary, did you know, could you know, that when this child was born on this silent night, this serene, quiet night, would someday cause all of God's creation to break out forth in jubilant, noisy celebration? Because whether Mary understood everything or not, and I don't think anyone could at that moment, this child was not just an ordinary human child, not by any stretch of the imagination. This child was none other than the Son of God, the Lamb of God. He was the perfect revelation of God. He's the perfect embodiment of God. He's the incarnation of God. This little child, his name is Jesus because Jesus means God saves. He is Emmanuel because Emmanuel means God is with us. This little child who is being held in the arms of Mary is none other than the Lord of lords and the King of kings and the God of all gods. Amen. This little child is none other than the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the, the great I am, the sovereign Jehovah, the ruler of all creation. He's the creator of all, the sustainer of all, the savior of all. Yeah. This little child, Mary is looking on with adoring eyes, oh, is none other than the lover of our soul and the liberator of our lives. He's our comforter and our confronter. He's our redeemer and our restorer. He's none other than the all-good God and the God of all that is good. That is who Mary holds in her arms on that first Christmas morning. Friends, Jesus is not just some quaint, cute little figure that we think about once a year and we put in the little manger scene on our fireplace. No, he is God in the flesh. He has come to restore a relationship between us and him. And the only appropriate response is the one that Mary herself gives. However much she understands, however much she still doesn't understand what's happening, her heart towards God says, 
It doesn't matter what I have to give up to say yes to Jesus. What matters is doing his will in my life. And his will for us, just like Mary, is to surrender our lives to him. And the only logical response, the only proper response to this King of Kings is worship, is worship. He is the creator, the savior, the maker of all. His name is Jesus Christ. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Hallelujah. Father God, Lord, I pray this reality would would be burned into our hearts and minds on this night, right here, right now. That any part of our lives, Lord, that isn't surrendered, would just be surrendered now to you. For you are Lord. Oh, Lord, you are God. Come into this world as a human being to restore us back into relationship. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see I pray that every person here celebrating the birth of Jesus would experience their own rebirth, that rebirth that Jesus comes to offer every single one of us. And may we who have experienced your love and your grace, Lord, when we leave this place tonight, may we be overflowing with grace and love for others as your image bearers, as the reflections you've created us to be, reflections of of you, Lord God. Help us to represent you well in this world. In the beautiful, majestic name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Be sure to visit gchurch.net for more information about this podcast and other resources. 